just run through my a list of things. I can hear your keyboard too. I'm starting to think you mic it, you know, just to get the sound to come through. Uh, that's crazy talk. Why would I mic my amazing sounding keyboard mm -hmm. so that everybody can experience the glory of clicky keys? I feel like it's getting louder over time. It is not getting louder over time. It feels that way to me. It's like I remember like earlier on in Hello Internet, it was like, you know, this little sound that you could kind of hear in the background. But now it's like it is the dominant sound in our show. <laughs> Do you type harder for Cortex? <laughs> no, I don't type harder for Cortex. I don't think so. So have you received your T-shirt, your Cortex T-shirt? I have. I have. I haven't got mine yet. The blue ones must be behind. The grey superior ones have been shipped first. Well, no, because Adina's has come and she had a blue one. <laughs> so it's just you. It's because the blue is in such high demand. Mm. Uh, it's been mm. nice to see people uh, tweet at us with their t-shirts. I like that. I think it's nice to see people enjoying their t-shirts. I especially like the blue ones. Yeah, yeah, they're great. And uh, yeah, people look good in their shirts. And I did get my two shirts because, of course, you need a backup shirt and... Mm -hmm. I immediately required a backup shirt because my wife saw the two monkey t-shirts and she goes, oh, what are these? And then just picks one up and says, this will make an excellent shirt for me. And basically walked off with one of my shirts. <laughs> well, there you go then. See, this is why I buy my girlfriend one. I just buy her one and then she has it and then I can have mine. <laughs> I think it was on the last episode I mentioned about what it would sound like if the show was slowed down. You remember we were talking about the slow music stuff? Mm -hmm. well, somebody in the Reddit, Math Sturk in the Reddit, did this, and it is terrifying. Yeah, I actually I tried to download this earlier, but when I clicked on the file, it, it was 64 gigabytes. It was some enormous file size. Yeah. And so I was not able to download it in time to actually listen. I don't know if it's different in different browsers, but I clicked it in Chrome and it just opened and started playing rather than trying to download. Oh, let me try that. Go for one of the shorter ones. The the really long ones are just impossible to listen to. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try 32. All right. I'm going to click it too. See what happens. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I know, right? It sounds like... We're in a cave, and like we're we're like you know that kind of doing that chanting. Yeah, it would be like Gregorian monks from hell yeah. is what this sounds like. Yeah, it's it's it makes me feel uncomfortable to listen. to Yeah, it. I have to close. I have to close the tab. It is deeply uncomfortable. But uh... when it gets to you at some point, it sounds really interesting. Mm. Like, yeah, I've just skipped ahead, and I can hear oh, you. Let me skip ahead and hear me. I think you're scarier sounding than me. Oh, I'm going to have to close the tab. <laughs> yeah, I definitely sound scarier Ugh. than you. So, so uh, slowing down podcasts, not recommended. Horrible. I do, I, I do like the top comment underneath our slowed down show is that this is what super AI would experience when listening to human conversations. I think that's, a, that's about right. Just so slow. Just like us talking normally, it's just a waste of time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, the computer just has to wait around for a subjective thousand years to listen to you finish asking the question, what's the weather like today? <laughs> it's like, come on, I got it like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. 
I do have to say, as a, as a small as a small side note here, we mentioned offhandedly the Windows sounds that have been slowed down a bunch of times. Someone put them up on SoundCloud, and I have actually been using those a lot as just background, not exactly music, but background ambient sound. And I have found them surprisingly effective and good to work to. So I just downloaded all six of them, and I have them on a little loop that keeps repeating. So. I really like those slow window sounds. Slow music. It's really good. There's so much music I could recommend to you. How much of it is slow? Well, all of it can be slow if you want it to be. Shall we talk about Weezer and start another small civil war? Oh, yeah. That was interesting. So we have a show on, on Relay FM called Top 4, which is Marco and Tiffany Armin, and they talk about their favorite top four things. And they did a uh, top four worst Weezer singles, mm-hmm. which started like outrage on the internet, including you were very upset about some of the picks which was interesting to me because it's music and you had an opinion on it rather than just its utility well el scorcho is obviously a brilliant song which is super fun to listen to and marco is just wrong well i i wasn't that familiar with it but when marco put the clips in of the gurgling at the start mm-hmm. no i'm i can't get on board with that marco is trying to make it look bad <laughs> that's because he didn't like it but I'm going to say El Scorcho has been climbing the charts on my personal iTunes frequently played songs uh, ever since that episode went out. I really want to see the play counts of music on your on your computer. I just want to see what that looks like. Haven't we talked about this before, though, that I, I listen to single songs on repeat? Yeah, so that's why I want to see it. I want to see those numbers and I want to see what what kind of is in there. It, that just seems very interesting to me. Like, you know, you see 200, 200, 200, one. <laughs> like, that's how the play counts go. That actually is not too far off. <laughs> I've said before, most of the time it, it is terrible pop songs that are just catchy. Or I can, I can just feel immediately this is the song that I'm going to listen to over and over again while I'm writing or while I'm working. I don't know why. but Can you give me an example of one of these pop songs? Actually, yeah, let me... Uh... What was the one I just... I should be able to find it. Because I wonder how you even find out about them. Okay, well, here. I can only do one thing at a time here, Mike. Uh, (laughs) Side note here, just since I know that upgrading has been a a little topic of discussion lately on the various podcasts, upgrading things. I upgraded my computer to OSX Snowsemity just yesterday and... Thought, oh, everything looks great. Everything's nice and smooth. I went to open up iTunes. It says, oh, no, you can't open up iTunes. And I thought, oh, that's weird. Try to reboot, open up iTunes again. Hmm, no, it won't let me open up iTunes. Oh, I wonder why that is. I go and I look in my media folder, and iTunes is an empty folder with zero bytes in it, with absolutely Ooh. nothing. Well. <laughs> How did this even happen? Just my entire iTunes just... Nothing. There wasn't even a library file in there or anything. Just whoosh, just wiped off the face of the earth. I'm like, oh, oh it's not a smooth upgrade experience, Apple. Usually I get away from these things. But uh, that's one that just bit me and was one of the weirdest ones. One of the weirdest ones yet. Oh, I know. So hold on a second. Uh, give me one more minute to find this. And if I can't find it, then we'll just give it up. Right now, my newly added stuff is filled with Weezer songs that I added. <laughs> yep. Sounds about right. Ah, uh, okay. Here we go. Here we go. I wanted to find it because I knew this one is particularly embarrassing. Great. Because what I didn't want to try to do is like, oh, let me pick one, which is like not, not too embarrassing, but try, no, I'll just, 
I'll go with the last one, which I listened to while working on the UK royalty video. And it was Fight Song by Rachel Platten. Do you know this song? I have, I have no idea. It's just very much a pop song. It's exactly what you would expect it to be. I'll put a I'll put a clip in the show. So no, please don't put a clip understand. in the show. No, it's uh, not they necessary. They gotta know. People have to know. I'll, I'll put a little clip in so people can get a, an idea of how this sounds because they can easily search it. I just like to bring the information to the people. <sighs> Sometimes it's it's just you're making it a little too easy. You're making it a little too easy for people. <laughs> you gotta work for it, kids. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you don't you don't know this song? No. Uh, I bet if you heard two seconds of it on Apple Music, you would know it. Fight song. What's it? By Rachel Platten. All right. Rachel Platten. It's a picture of, of, like, it's a white. She's wearing a hat. She's looking to the side because you're a musician and you can't look directly at the camera. Go, like, 30 seconds in is where the chorus is. (laughs) Gray, I cannot understand you. (laughs) How does this help you work? Right now. I don't understand. I want to, like, this is perhaps one of the most embarrassing things that has come up on the podcast, right? I want to be really clear. It's just like, it just, it just like basically kicked off with the chorus, right? right. Yeah. And I don't understand you. <laughs> right? This is basically like a teen girl ballad. Right, this is yeah. what this is. This is like when you break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and you have a song that you need to listen to to make you prove that it's all okay. Right, right. Now, I mean, I, I probably listened to this one song on repeat for many hours while writing the, the last video. Just a single song on loop over and over again. And that's just the way it goes. But what I want to be clear here is I am not advocating for like the quality of the song. This is what I try to say when I'm when we have the conversation about music is there's some utility in this for me which I don't understand and is hard to articulate. But but a certain kind of sound just repeated over and over again. I don't even hear it after a while. But something about like just loop again and again and again keeps me focused on the thing that I am doing. But I don't hear it in the way that you hear it horrified the first time. <laughs> if I had to hear it horrified the first time the way you're hearing it right now, this would not work. This is, I'm just I'm continuing to listen to this underneath you talking. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't How let me just suggest some like music that I think might be good. Okay, no, but it's you don't you don't. No, but like is is good and might may serve the same purpose. You don't understand. Like, this how is this good works. for some people, but like you know, this is uh okay. Whatever you, do, you need, man. You don't under, you don't understand how this works. How do you even find this music? <laughs> like, how did this come into your world? In which a place where it was like, yeah, no, I could work to that. Like, where does it come from? <laughs> I don't understand. In the past year or so, the way new music has come into my life is that on the various streaming services that I use, I'll go to whatever their their top list is. So like Spotify has like the global 50 top songs. And every once in a while, I, I just I'll put that on and I kind of blip, blip, blip through and listen to some of them. And I don't know why, but some song will just hit me as like, yes, that is the, the song that 
fixes whatever's in my brain right now and I'll just listen to it over and over again. But he here's the thing. What almost always happens is, and I'm looking, I'm looking through this list of songs, like top played songs on my iTunes right now. The song will be on repeat four hours in a row for several days. And then I will probably almost never listen to it ever again. It, it's like this very, very temporary thing. And I'm, I'm looking through uh, a couple other ones that I have on here. Blue Jeans by Lana Del Rey, which I know was another one of these songs is like over and over again. And I probably haven't listened to that again in months. Uh, yeah, there's just a whole bunch on here, which are all of these like top songs that I haven't listened to in a very, very long time. <laughs> I would like to spend just an afternoon in your brain. Like, no, no more, because I'm wor- I'd worried about what might happen. Uh-huh. But just, just one afternoon, just so I can, I just, because I just can't, I just don't understand. I really don't understand, <laughs> but especially this. That makes two of us. I don't understand either. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> Believe me, I've tried. Yeah. All I know is that this this facilitates long, good writing sessions. And I have no idea why. It doesn't make any sense. This is just something that I've discovered over the years. Find a top charting pop song, repeat one for hours, and sometimes that just really works. There you go. That's all there that's all there is to it. I don't understand it either. I've lost complete control of this show now. <laughs> We've barely even started follow up. And and here we are. I don't even know what's going on anymore. I wanna just recommend one album to you, right? It's just flick through it like you would the the the, the Spotify playlist. But I just wanna recommend it to you. It's my favorite album at the moment, and I think that there's some songs in there that might be good for you. It's by a band called Churches. Uh-huh. But churches is spelt with a V instead of a U. Uh, okay. Okay, and it's called Every Open Eye. That's the name of the album. Just just try a couple of the songs on it. Like, just skip for it, see what you think. But I think that there could be some something good in there for you, maybe. Oh, and they spell it's all capital churches with a V three with a hamburger menu for their uh, for their E as well. Okay. Yeah, that's the logo, but it's not how you type it. The uh. This sounds very 80s, Mike. That's nothing wrong with that. This is this is super modern. It's got a lot 80s. of sense in it. It's, well, yeah. It's see, excellent. this is this is exactly what I would expect a hipster like you to listen to. <laughs> You're only sighing because you know it's true. Oh, I know it's true. I saw them at the Pitchfork Music Festival in Paris, which uh-huh. was probably the most hipster I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Pitchfork magazine? No, I don't know what you're okay. talking about. Okay. I don't know your hipster world, Mike. Nobody does. Um, <laughs> Except all the hipsters. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by 1Password from Agile Bits. Now, this is an app that I'm really happy is sponsored because I love it. I want to tell you about it because if you're not using this, you really should be. 1Password is an essential piece of software for those of us that live in this digital world today because it can be just way too easy to reuse the same password all over the place. Something really simple like the cat's name or something like that. You just want to type it in because we have passwords for everything. Everything needs a login these days. But there are stories 
every week of another service that gets hacked and all of the data is spit out. And then that password that you chose for all of your sites is now available. So you have to change everything. But a good 1Password user never has to worry about any of this. 1Password is an app available for the Mac, iOS, Android, and Windows that will help you create unique and super strong passwords for every single site you visit and keep them all safe for you. They'll all be stored in an encrypted file on your device that you can sync via Dropbox, iCloud, or locally via Wi-Fi sync. Agile Bits and 1Password never see this, but it's super encrypted and can only be unlocked with the password that you have, and you can choose to sync it between your device in any way that you want to. This keeps all of your passwords with you wherever you go, as well as any other information you might want to store in one password as well, like your credit card numbers, your bank account information, your ID documents, any secure notes that you have, and so much more. And the only way to get to all of this information is by unlocking the app with your super secret master password. As I said before, it's not stored on any web servers, this is completely private to you, and if you have an iOS device, you can even use your fingerprint to sign in with the use of Touch ID. Once you've set this all up and you've got all these super strong passwords and they're all saved in one password, it's going to save you a ton of time. Because now when you go to a website, you don't have to remember a password or anything like that. They have excellent extensions for your web browser that make it super easy. That You just click the one password icon and it will show you, oh, here is your login for this site. You just click the login and it pre-fills all of that information for you. You can also do this with credit card information. So when I go to buy something online, I click my one password icon, I click my debit card, and it just fills all of that information in for me. They also have an extension on iOS so you can do this in Safari and Chrome and you can also get to all of this information from the app on any other platform as well. And they've just released on iOS 1Password 6 and it features an awesome style refresh. There's more color and the icons are polished and pixel perfect. They look better than ever before. They've also added a Diceware password generator so you can easily create passwords that are simple to type. And 1Password takes full advantage of new iOS 9 features like Spotlight Search, Slide Over and Split View. And for those of you who have an Apple Watch, they've also made it possible to add items from more categories to make it even more convenient to see the data that you need at a glance. If you're not yet a 1Password user, you should change this right away. Go to agilebits.com slash 1Password to find out more, and you can also find 1Password on your app store of choice. Thank you so much to Agile Bits and 1Password for supporting this episode. Put passwords in their place with 1Password. Let's talk about the iPad Pro. All right, we're doing a show. Yeah, we're going back to that. Okay. Uh, Kim pointed out to us via Twitter a very good point. We were talking about the iPad Pro and why couldn't Apple just store the pencil inside the iPad Pro? Mm-hmm. And Kim mentioned that the pencil is thicker than the iPad. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> That's why I can't do it. And, and I, I think we both, as soon as we saw this, was like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, when I saw that comment in the Reddit, I felt really dumb. Yeah. I, I would like to see there still be like a, a place to put it in the case. Yeah, yeah. Looking at the pictures of their external keyboard, it still seems to me like there's a way to fit the pencil in there, but perhaps not in the actual iPad Pro itself. And also, uh, there was some reports um, this week that some people from Pixar got their hands on the iPad Pro. Apple took um, the iPad Pros to Pixar artists, and there's some photos of them using it. And a couple of people have been like tweeting about it and commenting on Instagram and stuff. And say have both said so. We have Michael B. Johnson, who's Doctor Wave on Twitter, who's, who's really really cool. He does technical stuff at, at Pixar, mm-hmm. and then Don Shank as well, who's an artist there. Mm-hmm. And they've both been quoted for saying that the wrist. Uh, detection is perfect and it doesn't 
it 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 splits your like you know it splits apart the pencil input and the wrist input and it doesn't get them confused which is exactly what we were looking for so a little bit more hope gray yeah i know i i'm still i'm still feeling like i want to believe with yeah an x-file style poster in my room except it is the apple pencil not a ufo on the poster that's how i'm feeling about it right now and and like there's a pic one of the pictures i'll put a link in the show notes to an article on max stories which sums this up but they embed the instagram photo in there and you can see how small the writing can be on the on the screen what do you wait what are you talking about all right if you go to the link in the show notes okay to the max stories link uh, there is an embedded uh instagram photo by the artist don shank and he's kind of signed the pic- the picture that he's working on. Oh, uh, okay. Do you see that? Yeah, so that's I exactly see. the type of size, comparatively, that I would want for handwriting. Hmm. Because hmm. you could fill up a page like it's a piece of A4 paper, right? Hmm. It's promising. Yeah. I mean, I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling good about it. Yeah. So we'll have to wait until November. Yeah. I'd feel a lot better if I could have one in my hands right now to actually try out. Yeah, me too. I just want to know... Who at Apple do I need to bribe to make this happen? If anybody out there can help with this, we are very much open to this. Very open. We will go anywhere we need to go. We are very open to this scenario. You just let us know. Or we won't even talk about it. We just want to see. Right, that's all. We can meet in an alley or something. Whatever you need. Just want to know. I can second that. So uh, a couple of people have written in to let us know um, what turning off spotlight suggestions does. Alex put a blog post together, which I'll put in the show notes, um, which kind of shows some comparisons of what you lose. So if you turn off spotlight suggestions on iOS, yes, you do lose the news, uh, but you also, uh, like as we want, but you also lose things like uh, search results from Bing, YouTube and Wikipedia. Um, it turns off sports scores as well. But, you know, as in, we know that it doesn't do, it doesn't uh, turn off some of the stuff that we want, which is like searching within apps. I'm perfectly happy with this trade-off. Some of those things might be useful, but without a doubt, I'm on the same page. I am happy to make this trade-off to get rid of news stories on my iOS search screen. I would make almost any trade-off on that screen to get rid of the news because like i think for me and you it is the trade-off of yes we lose a bit of utility by not having to go to google right Mm -hmm. which is not massively difficult um or we have news that we don't want to see entering our brains and messing with stuff yeah exactly it's just a way it's just a way to get derailed when you're trying to do something else it just it feels like having the news there is almost like my phone is working against me Say, yeah. oh, hey, I want to do a thing. And then the phone says, oh, wouldn't you rather get distracted by this other thing? No phone. I would not like to get distracted. And please don't, please don't show me that. that- yeah, it's like, oh, I'm just, I know what I need to do. I just need to search for where Dropbox is. What about murder instead? Do you yeah, want to exactly. know about murder, Mike? And it's, so it's, you know, I don't, I don't need that. Thank you. Yeah, or just anything, just anything. It's just whatever is there is going to be distracting. So happy to make that trade off. But for those who wanted to know what else it turns off, uh, this person's found out for us. So thank you. Uh, I want to talk about everybody's favorite topic. Mm-hmm. Email. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How we, I just want to see, because we spoke about email a lot um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we spoke about email way more than we should have done. 
Uh, but but we did. <laughs> <laughs> way, way less than the amount of mental space it occupies in my mind, but way more than most normal people probably talk about email. But it was also a long time ago because it was before the whole summer uh, traveling thing was our email talk. Now you are kind of back to work in a fuller capacity now. Um, yeah. I want to see if you're still using the email system that you'd set out for yourself. So I wanted to see if it was still working. So it seemed like you'd cleared a lot of your backlog and you'd institute a system in which you'd get topic suggestions and you kind of did your best to steer people towards a gated system where they would email and it would go to your assistant um, and would then come to you. And I want to see how that is still working for you. The reason that I knew the last time we talked about this was before my travels this summer was precisely because I wanted to try this out at a time when I knew I wouldn't really be looking at email very much and to be able to have stuff going off to my assistant instead of having it go straight to me. That front end part of it has been very successful from from my perspective. I have noticed that the decreased volume of total email uh, has held. So I, I don't get as many just random emails from people wanting to suggest a topic. It seems like people really do still use that topic suggestion place on the website, which is amazing to me. I would not have predicted that it would have worked in that way, but it definitely it definitely has. I mean, secondly, th- there's some other things to talk about with email today, but having the ability to use my assistant as a as a top level triage slash filter has been very helpful, has been extraordinarily helpful. Okay. The only downside is that I still actually do have now a bunch of email to go through because I did spend most of that summer just not really looking at email and, and trying not to to deal with anything that wasn't being sent directly to me by my assistant. And so I was like, oh, if you go away from email for a while, like there's still a whole bunch of stuff that's that's built up. Um, so I don't feel like I'm I'm in a squeaky clean, oh, look at me, I'm amazing with email situation. I'm feeling really frustrated by email, but the changes that I have made are definite, definite improvements. Have you given your assistant the power to actually respond or do anything with it? Or are they just merely a triage machine so far? I basically started this by setting out a couple of bullet points of here's the kinds of things that I expect are going to be coming through this public forum. Forward me things that are interesting and or actionable and just I don't want to see the rest. That That's the way this has started. Interesting is a really uh, interesting uh, metric because I would expect that many people would find things interesting that you wouldn't, like business deals. You know, like somebody writes to you and they're like, we want to give you half a million dollars to talk about Ford. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you might not find that interesting. Maybe you would have that amount of money. I don't know. Uh, but somebody who's looking at it objectively might be like, yes, Gray definitely wants to see this. So if you had to like work on that over time, like, no, this is not interesting to me kind of stuff. Well, this is exactly what has gone on over the past few months. Right. Is she forwards me things and we've been tuning together what is interesting and what is not interesting. Okay. 
but this this works because I trust her judgment as a person. And this is, but this is also why I, I couldn't possibly do this with a, a very advanced Bayesian filter, because a Bayesian filter can't really pull out this kind of stuff, and it can't learn. Yeah, well, I mean, you can you can retrain a Bayesian filter, but it, it sure. it's going to be limited in what it actually does. And it's also a bit like diamond mining of like, what are the interesting things? They're going to be rare items in a in a large sea of stuff. It would be very hard to train anyway. So the, the way this has worked is that we have a shared document that has been added to over time as different situations have come up. This document is a thing that we're building together where she forwards me things and I'll either say, oh, yes, this is the kind of thing that I want forwarded on to me or no, I don't want to see this. Or what I also have a little bit of is here's how you can respond in a standard way to this kind of thing. So that's that's what we're building up. This sounds mm-hmm. very much like um, systems that like some of my friends who are app developers use for customer support. Oh, yeah. How so? Just like the idea of uh, working with the developer on standardizing some responses and being like, this is how you need to deal with this type of query and question and creating documents of responses. Mm-hmm. Because like the, the customer support person may not know the app uh, intimately or they may not understand how some of the functions work, but they're good at what they do, right, which is responding to people. So they may have to ask the developer a question about why does it work like this or how does this feature work or is this a bug? Are you fixing this? And then they standardize responses that are then sent out to everybody else. Mm-hmm. So there's like a little bit of work every now and then to set things up, but then it reduces the the uh, net amount of work over time mm-hmm. because those responses aren't needed to be given by the developer or you in this instance on a case-by-case basis. You just need to do it once. Yeah, that, that's, I guess, what we're doing here is is setting up something like this. And when your assistant responds, does she respond as herself or as you? I never want someone to respond as me. I don't like the okay. feeling of that. I don't want someone to get an email that looks like it's from me, but that I haven't actually sent. I do reply to people sometimes. And I'm only laughing because every once in a while, I do just randomly respond to some email catches you at the right time right you're already in email it pops in and i i do this too like because sometimes like last night i somebody sent me an email whilst i was in my email app and i responded like immediately and they were like whoa what's going on here it's like well you just called me at the right time that's exactly what happens there's there was someone just the other day who sent a funny thing and i and i, I like i can't not reply to this and i just replied but it's it's not uh it's not a regular thing so email is always a little bit is always a little bit random yeah so we're, we're building up this document together but when i respond to someone i want them to know that if you got an email from me it was me sending it yeah like, okay. yes i sent you this thing back i don't want someone i mean even i, I deal with this even a little bit with the mailing list of i'm even a bit uncomfortable with automated emails where my name is at the bottom where it's like, oh, this is like, there's just something that feels a bit weird to me about this stuff. So I'm very hesitant to have things represent themselves as me if it's not really me uh, who's doing it. So, so no, she will reply as my assistant. She does not reply pretending that it's me responding to things. 
Are you noticing, now that you've set up this new kind of contact form, are you noticing that people are addressing you differently in the email? Are they are they talking that are they seeming to know that they're talking to somebody else before you? There seem to be or at least maybe more in the beginning than there are now, but a, a not insignificant number of people who know that they are talking to my assistant and address it to her as opposed to to me. But I, yeah, I'd say it's maybe 50 50 of people using it that way. Give me an example, then. I, I want to know some of the stuff that goes in this document that you two are sharing together. Okay. Is this like a Google Doc? Like, how are you doing this? Oh, I'm off? doing it with, of course, the best solution ever, which is Apple Pages. All right, get, we- out of, get out of here. Let's, let's, <laughs> you just, just give me an example. I don't want to hear about that anymore. <laughs> I know. I know you love Apple Pages. It sucks. It just <laughs> sucks so bad. It, you can't see the documents on iOS. Like, what is this nonsense? <laughs> anyway, you just keep going. I use Pages because it is extremely convenient for me, even if it is horrifically inconvenient for the other people I work with. Yeah, it's really convenient for the document owner. Yep, that's but me. But anybody that has to share it, they can't see it on any device other than a PC or a Mac. It's <laughs> horrific. Just, I can't believe that they are able to get away with it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's here's how this started out. I have at the top of this little document the rules that I began with. I'm like, mm-hmm. Here's what we're going to work starting from. Rule number one. Don't ever send me an email. (laughs) Actually, rule number one was anything that looks like an emergency, contact me over iMessage at, and then I give her the address to contact me at. Because one of the things that I've been trying to do is also loop her in on discussions with other people in my life. So for example, my lawyer or my tax accountant's those people now know that they can also reach her, which might be a faster way of reaching me. So that's why this number one thing is there. Like, if there's something that looks like it's a big problem that I need to deal with right now, get in touch with me directly through iMessage. Like, that's the that's the top level in my communications tier. Such an executive. This thing... Yeah, here's the thing. I, I, like, I'm, I'm imagining that people are interested in hearing about this stuff. But I just have to say to the listeners, it's very weird to find myself in a position where I'm even doing this kind of stuff. It's It must feel uncomfortable. Yeah, it's it's strange. It's a very weird thing. I don't know, maybe maybe a topic for some other time, but I've I've I have found myself thinking a lot about like how 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 do people manage people? You know, how how do people accomplish things when they are not the ones directly doing things? It's it's all it's all tied up. But yeah, it is very strange to find myself in a situation where it's like, oh, I'm talking on a podcast about how I handle email with my assistant. Like this is, it's very weird to be me in this moment. But I think what I'm trying to think of is I know that a younger version of me would have been interested to hear something about this. And so that's why I feel like, okay, we can talk about it. Like there's something to discuss here, but it's still very strange for current me to be talking about this stuff. But anyway, big diversion there. Rule number two was, like we said before, anything that was interesting and or actionable forward to my main email address. And I gave a couple of examples, one of which was, say, a domain expert offering their assistance on a future project. So the kind of thing that sometimes happens to me is someone who is an expert in a field gets in touch because they think something is interesting that I might want to do a video about. And that kind of email is exactly the sort of thing that I 
I was a little bit worried about missing in the past once I realized like I'm having a hard time actually staying on top of my email. That's ex that's the kind of diamond mining that is very valuable uh, for for me to have some help with. And then I have pretty much everything else should be discarded, but her personal discretion overrides that rule. So when in doubt, forward anything to me, and then we're going to to go from there and figure out how to deal with it. And so now as time has gone on, we have built up a small list of like frequently asked questions. For For example, a very common thing that people ask is they say, oh, they want to translate my video. And I have a standard reply that she sends out about, okay, if you want to translate the video, here is where you go. You can submit captions here, and this is how this works. So that way I don't have to reply to that every time that it comes through. We have a bunch of standard replies for people asking about using the videos. So I get a lot of questions where people want to know if they can use a video under various circumstances on a website or where else. And so I have a generic reply that she sends out, which is, here's where it's okay to use the video, here's where it's not okay to use the video, like what the circumstances are. So those are the kinds of things mm -hmm. that we've built up a little bit over time uh, for how to handle the emails that are coming in. So since you've instituted the contact form, have you noticed a change in like where the email is coming from? Like, has it tipped over yet that most people are coming through the contact form or are they still contacting you directly? That's a little tricky to answer because, of course... Part of the job of my assistant is to shield me from a large number <laughs> of emails that are going through the public contact form. Do you do you have access to or are you ever signed in to the email address that they go to? They're actually all logged in a spreadsheet is, is one of the ways that that's set up. There's like mm. a IFTTT, which is, which is logging all of these. So I have a copy of all of them, but they're in a place where I don't ever have to actually look at them directly. But if for whatever reason I want to go through them, I can. And so I, I have um, on occasion gone through that and looked just to make sure that the reverse isn't happening, where there's something that I find interesting, but for whatever reason uh, she doesn't and didn't forward it to me. And then I could point it out and say, oh, this is the kind of thing as well. So I, I have gone through that on occasion just to see see what's there. Just as a little bit of training. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just like a spam filter, right? Every once in a while, you just want to take a quick look through your spam and see if there's anything that's in there that that um, shouldn't be. But I still get a surprisingly large amount of email that is coming directly to me from people. But this is where I feel like I'm not on top of email because I have an enormous number of those messages to try to work through. And I have a lot of frustrations with email, Mike, lately that I do want to talk about. But I'll just say, broadly speaking, in my mind, there are, was it, three layers of triage to me. Top level, the most important thing right now is emails from my assistant. So that's, that's like the top one. I always want to try to turn those around as fast as I can. Yeah. So in a funny way, People can get in touch with me much faster through the public contact form than they sometimes can by actually trying to email me directly. Because in theory, all of the email that comes from your assistant should be good. Exactly. It's, there's something that I need to do about it. There's, some, there's something there to be taken care of or that is important. So on my Mac, on my main computer here, you can set up these smart inboxes. And my top smart inbox is my assistant. So I have a little I have a little recurring checklist where I want to try to clear that out as much as possible. 
opening it up right now, I have six messages in there from her to clear from yesterday, which was the last time I took a look. Directly below that, my next layer of email are people in my system, in my contacts that have been explicitly marked as VIPs. So these, these are people who are important in some way in my life. Looking at that right now, I have about 30 messages from people who are classified as VIPs. I'm not gonna ask. Don't ask. <laughs> I'll just, I'll, I'll make up my own story. <laughs> Yeah, you can do whatever you want, yeah, man. I will, I will. Below that level are contacts. So this is anybody I have in my contact book, but who is not explicitly marked as a VIP. And then the next level below that is anybody who's just not in my system. Right? So these are emails from people who I don't know at all. Looking at my inbox right now, there are 122 messages from people I just don't know at all. Uh, in the inbox. So in theory, when I'm going through email, what I want to do is clear the email from that top level of triage down. Mm -hmm. That's what should happen. It doesn't always work that way because emails from VIPs, by definition, they're always hard. It's like, oh God, like my, my lawyer is a VIP. Like, oh, what is this that I have to deal with? Like, oh, this contract, I can't read this. It's so boring. But this is the way I would like it to work. But what I wanted to, to talk a little bit about today is that I have become really aware that I don't like doing email on my computer. You mentioned on the last show, you know, why do I like doing things on iOS? And it's hard to say why sometimes, but I have noticed that the place I like to go through email the most is my phone. And this is causing a lot of problems for me. Okay. A lot of conflict. My phone is where my brain, for whatever reason, wants to do email. And I can find no satisfactory way to do email on my iPhone. Have you considered that the reason that your brain likes it that way is because it's so difficult to do? So therefore, when you do email on your phone, it's never really done that well. So it's kind of just like your brain's like, yeah, the phone's great because I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> You are partly correct because one of the things that I like about doing email on the phone is because it's harder to type, I'm much more aware that I feel less obligated to reply in detail. I, I really like doing email on my iPad for, for mm -hmm. a lot of the same reasons. Uh, it just feels like a more enjoyable experience. I, I don't like doing email on my Mac. But if I have something that's super, super long and detailed, then I probably will just wait until I'm at my Mac to do it. So it, it pretty much plays to exactly that, right? I'm, I'm, I'm much more uh, happy with archiving email and responding very quickly to email when I'm doing it on my iPad because... It's a lighter system. It's a more com. It's it's a more convoluted system to get stuff done at times, mm -hmm. which means that it it enables me to not feel bad about deleting an email about responding to it or something. Exactly, exactly. So so you are right. It is the very restrictions of the phone which do make it easier. Now, occasionally you run into problems where it's a real pain, where someone needs an attachment, and boy, is that a hassle to try to send someone a thing. So it, it doesn't always work out perfectly. But yes, the restrictions of the phone actually make it nicer. One of the things that for me is a big deal, this is just going to sound crazy to some people, but I like on the phone that when I'm looking at a message, I cannot see the list 
of other emails. Email that I'm working on is just the full thing on the screen. And it's not rational, but seeing that long list of email I find is... Anxiety provoking yeah. is not the right word, but it's that's the, it's what it the, is. A hundred percent. It's anxiety. It's an anxiety distraction. Like it's distracting because when you look at it, it makes you feel bad in your stomach. There's a lot of things here, all of which are important. There are people waiting on me for things. You know, there's stuff that needs to get paid, or you know, it's just it's a lot of things. And so I find it this relief on the phone. It's like okay, this is the email that I'm working on. And now what we're going to talk about is where I know we are a little bit different. And when I press the archive button, the next email just comes up and now I'm dealing with this thing. And it's, it's, it's a very clear one at a time sequential moment. Yeah, see the thing, I'm half of the way there with you. Like mm-hmm. I like to have to just focus on that one email, but when I deal with it or archive it, I like to go back to my inbox so I can make the choice for what I want to do next rather than being presented with the next email. That isn't necessarily the one that I want to look at. Right. This is definitely a working style that's different between the two of us because I, without a doubt, I want that decision just taken away from me because I know that my behavior on the computer is to just start cherry-picking easy emails, right? Where I look at this big long list and I think, oh, this one's really easy to reply to. Oh, I can just archive a whole bunch of these. Meanwhile, there's something from my accountant, which is labeled super important reply now or you're going to prison. And it's like, oh, I don't want to open up that one, right? It's like, click, 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 like, let me go through these other ones. So I, I, I kind of like the decision being taken away on the iPhone. Oh, but, for me, it's 100% because I don't want to deal with the account anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the reason I like it is the reason you don't like it. Right. So, yeah. That's, that's, there we go. <laughs> you want to make sure to avoid the one from the account. Uh-huh. Like, oh, oh, that one's not fun at all. Oh, this email about a new show on the network. That yeah. one's fun. Let me do that one. Boring. <laughs> and then it gets looked at. Yeah. Um, but so the reason I feel conflicted about email on my iPhone is this goes fundamentally against this principle that I have of I don't want my iPhone to be a distracting thing. And I'm aware that if I have email on my iPhone, there's always the possibility of doing email on the iPhone. And for years and years, I have not had email on my iPhone. But I feel like, okay, I'm just going to try this for a little while and see how this works. Oh. Right. The initial results are not great because then once you have email... Email needs you to have other things. It's like, oh, I've never had Safari on my phone. But if you have email, the number of times you want to open up a link to look at something is enormous. And so I find myself turning off the parental uh, restrictions to allow Safari to exist for a while. And then Safari just kind of sticks on my phone. I go, okay, this isn't, this isn't really great. But I just, I feel this conflict that I go through more email on my phone than if I have to do it on my desktop. If I have to do it on my desktop... I will leave it for weeks and just never open it. And then I open it up and there's a huge number of problems in there. Whereas if I have it on my phone, I'm way more likely to, I have this little timer, which is a 20 minute administrata timer, which are just like, okay, click, start the timer. I'm going to do 20 minutes of just administrative crap and I'm on my phone. It's like, okay, quick, grind, 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 go through all of this. My poor assistant discovers there's all of a sudden 10 email replies in the space of a few minutes as opposed to a normal person who would spread it out. But I find that really effective. And so I'm in this conflict of I don't like making my phone more distracting, but I'm also 
obviously getting through email better if I have it on my phone. So this is this is the conflict for me that uh, is impossible to resolve. Brief, brief uh, sidebar. What app do you use for timers? I'm using Do for timers. Okay, good. Why didn't I thought about that? Okay, excellent. It, well, I'm trying. I'm just trying to use a timer system for some things. So like uh, working on editing something. Let's just do this for an hour and then go and do something else, right? I'm trying to work on that kind of system a little bit more. So I was wondering what you were using because uh, I want something with a watch complication. Yeah, I use Do and I run my whole life on timers. And yeah. it's, it's broken down into, I mean, the main ones I use are 20-minute timers and 40-minute timers are what I find are the most useful for me. That's just, you know, through experimenting about how long does it take my mind to get distracted or how long feels too long or too short. But 20 minutes is perfect for me for this kind of thing, like an email dash. And having the phone on me makes a difference because I will find myself in situations where you just have some time, but not necessarily a lot of time. Like you're just waiting for someone or... You know, these these moments in life. And then I'll find, yes, I will actually open up my phone and I will try to go through email at this point and then have done something instead of having done nothing in, in that time. So you, you are in a bit of a state of flux right now then because you're making some yeah. significant fundamental changes to the way that you use your devices. Like if we yeah. go back to earlier on in the show, like the first couple of episodes, you were very very strict about some of these apps. And, and now it feels like now that you're seeing a little bit more utility in why you should have Safari and email on your phone because your systems are changing, uh, that you're willing to, to make the compromise. I'm willing to, to try this for a while. If I have to make a prediction now, my prediction is that future me decides to go against this. That future me decides that the trade-off of having gone through email more effectively is not worth the distractibility of one more thing on the phone. That's what current me is predicting future me will say. But current me can't predict the future perfectly accurately. So this is why I'm willing to give it a try and to do this thing differently. Because I can just feel this way that my mind wants to work. And I have found it not to be incredibly effective in life to be working against your own brain. You know what? If your brain wants to listen to teen ballad breakup songs while you're writing, keep it happy. You just do it. This episode of Cortex is also brought to you by Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. Me and Gray were just talking about doing work wherever you want to do work, wherever your brain strikes you at that moment that you just want to get that piece of work done. Maybe you are standing in line at the post office. Maybe you're sitting down at a local coffee shop. No matter what device you have with you, Igloo is going to be able to help you. You'll be able to manage your task list. You'll be able to share status updates. You'll even be able to access the most recent version of a document from wherever you are because Igloo's platform is fully responsive and it works everywhere on desktop on mobile it does not matter and as well as that Igloo's going to look fantastic as well because they've taken great care over creating a system that looks really great but it's also easily customizable as well so you can give it the lick of paint that you want you can give it the fonts that you want to make it feel like something that you're comfortable in and it's really easy to configure you can completely reorganize the way that different parts of your Igloo will work so so every single team will have just the functionality and just the design that they 
need. You can also integrate third-party services like Box, Google Drive, and Dropbox all into their big, easy-to-secure platform. This stops people from scattering documents across different platforms that are not secured by your company, which can actually be pretty dangerous. You don't want customer data in places that you can't secure, and this is where Igloo steps in to help you manage that. You can also use Igloo's own document preview engine to track who has read different documents with their red receipt functionality and also to collaborate on them leave comments and things like that it's time to break away from the internet you hate go and sign up for igloo right now and you can try it out for free for any team of up to 10 people for as long as you want sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash cortex thank you so much to igloo for continuing to support cortex and relay fm i'm in a, a, a state of flux myself right now um, but it's kind of different to yours, but it, it ends up in a weird way leading to one, like a similar problem and or solution required. Mm-hmm. So the app that I love for email and that I use is called Mailbox, and it is currently owned by Dropbox. Mm-hmm. And it feels to me like this system is not being advanced at the clip that I would like. Ah, the classic, our app has been bought by a larger company and now exists in purgatory forever situation. They were adding loads of stuff, they're making a new Mac app, but the iOS apps are not being advanced, which Mm -hmm. is concerning to me. Like, for example, then they haven't got a lot of the new iOS 9 features like Split View and stuff like that. So I am now in a in a position where I believe that I need to look at a new email system. Mm-hmm. So the, one of the reasons I use Mailbox is it has a bunch of features like the ability to snooze email. Right? Mm-hmm. So you can say "come back tomorrow" or "come back next week," and lots of lots of apps use this. But Mailbox is the only system that I have found that has an app on every platform I use. So those like snoozing things and stuff like that are observed across platform. So if I go to the Mac, I'm not going to see my email looking differently to my iPhone because the way that the email is is snoozed is very weird and they have to kind of hack around with folders and filters and stuff that you sh- that you don't really want to see. So like if I open the Mail app, the the Apple Mail app on my Mac, it looks completely different to Mailbox on my phone. Because I can also reorder email in in Mailbox, which I quite like, Mm -hmm. so I can move things around. So they don't look the same, and I don't like that. So Mailbox is currently the only system that I've used that has something everywhere. But I'm feeling like I need to move away. And at the same time, something that I'm realizing, especially in having this conversation with you today, is that snoozing email is actually a bad thing. Because I have some email that pops up every week that I snooze for another week. So all yeah. I'm doing is just hiding it. Like so I, I actually think that I need to force myself out of this habit um and end up with a with a better system at the end of it. But the first part of that is finding an iOS app that I'm happy with because iOS email apps on the whole never make me happy. <laughs> okay, Mike. If I open up my phone right now on my home screen, I'm looking at seven different email apps. <laughs> You're being really effective there. So much email. If you have seven email apps, you have seven times more email. I have Dispatch, Cloud Magic, Spark, Fastmail, Outlook, MailPilot, and the built-in mail app. Okay. Because I thought, all right, I want to get serious about trying to give email on my phone a try. Let me see what's out there. Let me see what's available. Now, 
in theory, like you, I would want email everywhere, but I realized immediately like, oh, if that's a requirement, there's nothing. I just have to give that up. There's mailbox, but mailbox is Gmail only, the end. It's not Gmail only. Oh, is it? I thought it was Gmail only. But don't go near mailbox. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you're not telling me a happy story about how, yeah, exactly. It's not gonna, it's not gonna be around. It used to be Gmail only. Oh, okay. That's why I was thinking that. But so I have been trying all of these email clients and I was I was trying to do it in a systematic way. And I was thinking, okay, I have three requirements that I would like for an email client on my phone. Absolute number one requirement is when I archive a message, it automatically goes to the next message. It doesn't go back to the email list. And this seems like a fundamental design decision that app app creators are coming from. Do you manage emails as a list or do you manage them as a sequence of items? So that's that was the one that I want. I want a sequence of items, not a list. Because I I personally don't find these interactions where, oh, I'm looking at a list of eight emails and I can just swipe to archive or quick swipe this way. I just don't work that way. My brain does not like that. And it it still goes back to the, oh, now I have to make a decision about which email am I dealing with, which I know full well I can't trust my brain to do. So I don't want to work that way. The second requirement that I wanted was some ability to replicate the mail triage system that I have on my computer. So I would think, oh, surely Mail's built-in app should do that. No, because Mm -hmm. Apple does not respect smart mailboxes or smart anything on any of the iOS devices. You want to use smart folders in iPhoto? No, tough luck. You want to use smart inboxes? No, tough luck. You're not going to be able to do any of that. What is the email system that you use? Like, where is your email? Is it Gmail, Fastmail? It's in Fastmail. So I wanted some kind of triage system. I thought the built-in mail app should do it. It doesn't. I was hoping to find that in some other email app. Long story short, that's just like asking for cross-platform ability. Nobody does this. I have found no way in any of these apps to replicate the triage system that I want. So it's like, oh, okay. Number two requirement, gone. That's just out out the door. That feels like a deal breaker. I will continue because because what I would also like and what astounds me is some integration with my contact book on iOS. I can't believe how many email clients don't have this integration where they don't even ask for permission to be able to see your contact list. We're just like, oh, we're just going to replicate everything all over again from start within our own email app. It's like, are you are you kidding me? It's like I have all of these pictures and information and everybody that I would like to see in my email client. It makes things easier. No, you're not going to get any of that. And, and so trying out all of these apps has been mostly a very unpleasant experience. Uh, let me just outline quickly what I'm looking for now. Because I, I feel like I, I, I need to, to force myself to readdress my priorities. Because previously yeah. I was like, I need a system that's everywhere that does this snoozing thing. Uh-huh. But I actually think, and I've come to this realization this morning actually, that snoozing is a bad system. I need a different system. Maybe I need filters or folders or something. So I am now basically looking for... A system of maybe one or two apps, because nothing is all-platform all that I've found, uh, that work for me. So I'm now looking for a good iOS app um, mm-hmm. that is on iPad and iPhone. So I want that. If it's on iOS, I want one app mm-hmm. um, that that does... It has integrations with a lot of the other systems that I want to use. Like I want to be able to pull in Dropbox for attachments and stuff like that. 
Uh, I want to be able to swipe on email lists mm-hmm. to be able to archive and to be able to mark as read and unread. My thing about wanting to go back to the list, there are way too many apps that don't support this, so I just need to to get get used to it, which is why I like the swiping. So then I can go back to the email list, just swipe that as unread again and carry on mm-hmm. um, they're kind of my main things I just want it to f- I just want it to feel good when I'm using it mm. that is hard to quantify but without a doubt is a real requirement yep. because I won't say anything about them later I will just say that two of the apps on my list Outlook and Cloud Magic I cannot fault anything about them in particular except that they just feel unpleasant in a way that I can't describe Interesting. I don't know why that is. I just find that my brain does not like them. And if and it's like email has to be easy, it has to be as pleasant as possible. And for whatever reason, I don't like those things. So yes, that is without a doubt a difficult to quantify requirement. The Outlook one is really weird because I'm getting lots of recommendations for the Outlook app. It was previously an app called Accompli that Microsoft purchased. Uh, and on iOS, it's very different to the Mac. But it does integrate your contacts as you want. It integrates your calendar all within the same app. So you can see all this stuff whilst dealing with email. Mm-hmm. Outlook is actually very high on my list um, because of the recommendations that, that I've had from other people about it. And I've used it a little bit and it seems fine. One of the other things that, that I need um, is a unified inbox across systems so i use gmail and i also use icloud Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so this kind of rules out google's inbox for me unless i am willing to which i may do to forward all of my email into one account (laughs) yeah i'm only laughing because i manage everything basically from one account as well like everything forwards to one main account so i'm not do i don't have the requirement of needing to juggle a bunch of things but my experience with gmail i mean i left gmail a little while ago because i just thought i can't deal with the way gmail doesn't play nice with anybody else and i got kind of screwed over by the way gmail tries to talk with other email systems and i thought you know what i'm done with this i'm just going to stick with a regular standard IMAP service that I can just plug into anything. And so that's why Fastmail is my backend. I will not return to using Gmail as the primary location for all of my email. So I will. It is mine. <laughs> um, I prefer, I prefer uh, Google Apps to any other system that I've used because mm-hmm. um, I've had problems with all kinds. Like I had some real problems with Fastmail uh, where it wasn't accurately managing spam and I had some sponsors e- like contact me via other means to tell me that their emails were bouncing so i was like you are dead to me <laughs> i'm going to google you have a unique spam problem because without a doubt many of the messages that you would get would certainly look a lot like spam to an automated spam filtering system yep so <laughs> it was basically like it was saying that my account storage was full because it was it wasn't doing a good job with the spam detection so I decided that I wasn't going to, to work with Fastmail anymore because uh, mm-hmm. that, that just isn't a risk I'm willing to, to take. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I moved back to, to Gmail and we use Google Apps, which, I mean, I really like. But it kind of puts me in this situation where, I'm like you, I'm trying to find 
something that I'm happy with, knowing full well that there's a couple of things that have to happen with this. I have to A, make some considerations and and changes, and B, I also actually need to change the way that I deal with email, Mm. which is a very daunting task. Yeah, without a doubt, it's a daunting task because, I mean, the reason why we've been talking about email for an hour and we also spent a whole other show talking about email yeah two shows (laughs) talking about email and i'm sure this won't be the last time that we talk about email is because it is just so connected to everything that you do especially especially as a self-employed person is just this is the funnel through which everything else comes and you know you Everybody loves Slack and Slack is a great alternative to email within a group of people that you're constantly working with. But it doesn't change the fact that you can't possibly have everyone who ever wants to contact you use Slack. Slack is for people you know. Email is for people you don't. Exactly. Or or people you you just can't practically have a Slack room for. Like I would love to be able to put my accountants and lawyers like in a slack room and be like you guys talk about some of this stuff but it's just not going to happen it's just not practical and and so yeah you're always going to be having stuff coming in through email that you just have to deal with in some way and it's it's difficult because it's an always possible to be done task especially when you start getting large numbers of emails it's like it's it's very hard to ever have it cleared out all the way after a certain point so yeah, that's why we're that's why we're talking about it. That's why we will talk about it for forever because it's connected to everything. There, there is an app that I want to give a special mention to, which is called mm-hmm. Spark. Ah, okay. I have a couple notes about Spark. Yeah, what do you what do you have to say? I really like this app. Um, it has some nice customization stuff, and it has a smart inbox feature that I really like. Uh, that doesn't really do much email manipulation. Like it's not doing anything crazy, but it groups things together for you. Which, which I kind of like. It reminds me of like the way that Gmail does this. So it like you know I'm looking at the smart inbox now, and I have a little card which has all my new email. Then I have mm-hmm. email that it classes and notifications, and then just my red email in my inbox. I like this system. It bunches things up for me in a nice way. But the problem is, it is iPhone only. So if they had an iPad app, which I know that they're working on, this is probably what I would be using right now. But they don't. So. It also has the best search I have ever used in an email app hmm. because it does a lot of the processing on device. Oh, does it? That's yes, interesting. It does. It's very, very powerful search. Um, it finds things that I just can't find in other apps. So that's one of the other big reasons that I want to be able to use this. Uh, and I'm, I'm thinking as soon as they get this iPad app, it will probably be where I go, but I need something in the interim. Yeah, Spark was on my list of three interesting ones to talk about. And the bullet point that I have below Spark is winner of the best smart inbox. Mm-hmm. Of all the ones that I tried, they do the best job because they don't try to overdo it. Too many of the apps you feel like, how are you picking out these messages as important messages and playing around with it? It it's you can see like oh you're just learning my terrible email habits of my desire to respond to easy things and not necessarily the things that I actually need to respond to. Did you know that that Spark also has smart inboxes? Oh, interesting. See, I missed this. 
This is very interesting. Because I've I've used it in the past for um to create smart folders for feedback. Hmm. So anything that says feedback for it just goes into that folder, and then you can you can put it in the main navigation, or you can just have it in the sidebar. It's better than nothing. It doesn't have the abilities that I would really need, but it's at least moving in the right direction. Yep. But again, iPhone only. Yeah, iPhone only, of course. I also like Spark is one of the fewer apps that does the iArchive and you just put the next app up on the screen thing. You know, Of the seven or eight that I ended up testing, the majority of them did not do that. So it's like, okay, Spark has this. I like that. And I think it's pleasant to use as well in that intangible way that Outlook and Cloud Magic I did not like. I do like the way that Spark operates. So it's definitely high on my list. Is it is it bad that I don't use and haven't tried Cloud Magic because I think the name is terrible? <laughs> like every other I've got here, Outlook, Dispatch, Inbox, Spark, and Mailbox. They all sound like email apps. Cloud Magic, I don't know what that is. It sounds like a game. Mike, you're talking to a man who will abandon an app because of its change in icon. You understand. You get me. I'm perfectly on board that you don't want to use something called cloud magic. And I had the same feeling of a resistance of even downloading it. I'm like, cloud magic. I almost hope I don't like it because (laughs) I just don't want to have this as the thing that I'm searching for for forever of like, oh, cloud magic for my email. It is not rational, but this is is the way humans are. So my my two other maybe honorable mentions are dispatch, which does the same thing where it allows me to archive, pulls up the next message automatically. It has a nice feature that I like where you can actually lock it for security so it won't open unless you have the thumbprint sensor, which is very nice. It's pleasant to use. It has a ton of options so you can change it around to be the way that you want. So Dispatch wasn't bad. I love Dispatch and it would probably be the app that I would use, but it lacks another key thing for me, which I forgot to mention, which makes your toes curl, which is notifications for email. I have push notifications mm-hmm. for all of my email because that works for me and it it fits the way that I like to, to, to work. I'm very good at seeing a push notification and being like, I don't need to do with that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But I, I really, really want to know when certain emails come in. And smart notifications don't really work because sometimes I might really, really want to know an email that comes in from somebody I've never spoken to before. Right. But it has a subject line like sponsorship inquiry for Cortex. And I want to deal with that immediately right right um so push notifications for email is something that's important for me and dispatch does not have it it has a notification system but it doesn't work the way that you'd expect it works via the background app updates and it just notices when it has a new email so say for example i've i have i have four email apps installed at the moment they all have notifications on when i get an email (laughs) it is like hell is broken loose at the moment but so like for example outlook uh, inbox and mailbox will be like here's a new email and i deal with the email and then 10 minutes later dispatch is like one new message but it's like it's already deleted <laughs> right <laughs> so it, i i don't think that that's going to be the one that i go with my final honorable mention is mail pilot 2 which i do know has uh, an ipad app i can't 
use them because when I archive a message on their system, it throws me back to the list and there's no way to change it. And that is an absolute deal breaker for me. I just will not will not use something that, that has that behavior. However, I'm gonna give some serious credit to the designers at MailPilot 2 because they were the ones that I think are trying to think about email in a different way. And they're trying to do the thing that everybody just kind of turns their email into, which is a task list. And so they're trying to write an app that says, let's just treat emails as though they are tasks. Oh, great. Yeah. This may be it. They have an app for every platform. Why do I not know about this? I don't know why you don't know about this. Oh, and do you know what I like about it? What? The iOS app is eight pounds. That's good. You want to pay the developer. I want, but I, if I'm, if somebody's looking after my email mm-hmm. and it's a system that I really, really care about, I don't want to just pay them. I want to pay them a lot of money, right? Because I want them to keep working on it. This is my problem with Mailbox. They get nothing out of me. So then they don't care, right? So if they stop working on it, it's like, eh, whatever. But this is, oh my, okay, well, I'm buying this one. Even though I knew that I wasn't going to use it because of this real deal breaker feature for me. Which is the exact feature I want. <laughs> right, which is, which is the exact feature that you want. MailPilot2 people, if you're listening, a checkbox, you know, to change that behavior might be nice. I think Dispatch allows you to change it. They have options for everything. I wanted to play around with MailPilot2 because it was immediately obvious that they're the guys trying to do something different with this. For example, they've done away with the whole notion of new emails. So there is no new email indicator on that list. So you don't have, say, a blue dot to all of the new messages. And I, oh boy, that is a really interesting design decision. So I played around with it. I used it for a little while. Like I said, it's not for me because of this one deal breaker. But if you're going to try it, Mike, I think you need to try it and go with the way they want you to use it. Like don't don't fight it, system. It's trying to do email in a different in a different way. I really should have checked or asked you if it had push notifications before I bought it. You're just so excited. (laughs) Does it have push notifications? Uh, I don't know. Where would I go to look for that? It must have push notifications. What kind of email app wouldn't have push notifications? No, it doesn't. (laughs) No! It's the same as as Dispatch, I think. What kind of time delay are you talking about here? Like, without push notifications, how long does it take you to get notified? An hour? Uh, Yeah, a while. That's... That sucks. That really sucks. But can't so, you get that down to 15 minutes or so? I don't know. I'll have to play around with it. But like I'm looking at a review on iMore and it's and one of their cons is no push notifications. That is a heartbreak. <laughs> that is heartbreak hotel that I'm currently in. I think you should still give it a try. It sounds like this is obviously the one that, that is closest to your heart for the moment anyway. Yeah. You said you need something in the interim. You might want to just try it and see if their system works for you. Yeah, I'll, I'll try it. Oh man, that's that's killer though. That's sad. That makes me sad. I'm gonna give it a go, but it's so important to me to have the push notifications. But you never know if they uh, if they if they're good at the if they're better than dispatch, then great. But like dispatch is just like it sends you a notification like a couple of times a day. It's like one new message. It's not what I want. <laughs> like I I want to see what the message is. Right. Right. I'll give it a go, but man, I should have checked that before I, before I put the money down because I might never use it now. Well, if you feel sad about having put the money down, my version of this story is I bought every email app for iPhone that exists 
and in the end decided that the inbuilt mail app is the one that I'm still going to use. <laughs> oh, and then he just spat water all over my Mac. <laughs> uh, you know, I, there is a part of me, Gray, that's that's thinking that that might be where I end up. Yeah, because the mail app, I archive, it goes to the next message. Okay, that's great. I love that. I don't need any of the fancy I can swipe on the message list features that most of these apps do because I just simply don't use that. I can't triage in the way that I fully want, but I can at least triage by VIPs, which is vastly better. And so I have my assistant as a VIP. So if I open up that VIP folder, her messages along with the other people's messages are in there. So in theory, I should be clearing that first before going to the rest of the inbox. And it also integrates with my contact book. So of all of these things, <laughs> I, have, I have supported the developers of many email apps, but it looks like I'm still going to be sticking with the inbuilt mail app for the time being. That's so beautiful. So my, my plan currently is to try and cry over mail pilot. Um, I'm mm-hmm. going to wait to see what Spark does, mm-hmm. but I think the third-party app that I'm probably going to give the most try with is Outlook. Um, mm. And then maybe I end up with a mail app. Yeah. Which is very sad. <laughs> yeah. We'll check back in a couple months, and I will have just disabled mail on my phone entirely, rendering this whole process moot, and you will still be using the default email app is probably where we'll be. I will have just deleted my email accounts. This episode of Cortex is also brought to you by Hover. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names. Let's say you've just come up with the idea for that new project you've been working on, that new blog that you want to launch. No matter what it is, if it's online, you're going to need a domain name. And you want your domain name to be good, so you spend a ton of time thinking of the sort of stuff that you want it to be called. You finally come up with that idea, and it's time to go purchase the domain. If you go to other places, you'll be searching, you'll be seeing thousands of screens with products that you don't want they're trying to sneak things into the cart so you can pay a little bit extra you just have a real bad experience and then trying to manage that domain name afterwards is a confusing mess this is exactly what hover has set out to destroy and destroy it they do hover make this whole process super simple you go there with your great idea you type in the words or the domain that you're looking for hover will show you if it's available they'll show you all the options that are available to you maybe if the exact thing you're not looking for is is open maybe somebody else has it but they'll show you some suggestions and they'll also show you all of the tlds that you can buy and the tlds like .com .co.net .co.uk .me they're all available to you hover offer all of them but they also have all of the crazy new TLDs as well, like .sexy, .limo, .academy, .plumbing, .coffee. Whatever tickles your fancy, Hover have got it. And they have it at great prices too. For example, their .com domains start at just $12.99 and they include who is privacy for free. We're talking about managing your domains. They have a great system to do that, but they also have something new called Hover Connect. This makes it easier than ever before to connect that new domain that you just purchased with the website or service that you're using. So now, from the domain admin panel, you can select which service you use like something maybe like squarespace or tumblr or shopify and many more and hover will automatically amend all of your dns records for you so there's no more copying and pasting numbers and codes to get 
things set up. It's super, super simple. They have great support. They have great telephone support with their no hold, no wait, no transfer policy. You'll get through to somebody who's going to be able to help you. But they also have great email support and great documentation as well. So go to hover.com and try them out. You want to use the code rule of two, all on word. That's R-U-L-E-O-F. T-W-O at checkout and you will get yourself 10% off your first purchase at Hover.com and show your support for this show. So that's rule of two at checkout. Thank you so much to Hover for sponsoring Cortex and Relay FM. So I had loads of topics planned for today and we have just ignored them all. But we haven't ignored them all. We, we had two things to talk about. But as always, email is just... A black hole that swallows everything. Yeah. I mean, it has made my work for next episode really easy. Uh Because I don't need to do any prep because we already have everything set, which is awesome. (laughs) Yes. Once again, I am always impressed by your show notes. (laughs) I I never put together show notes that look remotely this good. You have all of these these bullet points and hierarchies and headlines and things. So you, you are set for next episode. But yes, we did not... We did not intend to talk about email this much. <laughs> so I think we should maybe uh, round off today's show with some Ask Cortex questions just to give it a little bit of variety. Okay. So um, I think I've, I've picked out a few here that are relevant to the discussion that we've spoken about today, mm-hmm. as well as a couple of wild cards. Um, Salter on the Reddit asked, um, and they, they, I think they were commenting on our iPhone home screens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you use several applications that are superficially similar but serve distinct purposes for you, like four notes apps, three to-do apps, four audio apps. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that this segmentation helps or hurts? Would you prefer each category be served by exactly one app, or does having activities rigidly segmented keep you focused? That's a fantastic question. Um, I will start. Yeah, you go first. What do you think, Mike? Uh, I think that this segmentation is useful for me um, because I assign specific tasks and duties to each of the applications. And I feel like, so let's say, for example, my note-taking apps or writing apps. So I use ByWord and now the Notes app. So the Notes app is where uh, follow-up goes for the shows, where shorter topics go. And then if I'm writing a big blog post or something, I like to keep it in ByWord because that's just where long form stuff goes. So I don't get those two mixed up. And then like, for example, the, the when I say show notes, I mean like links and little ideas, they then go into Google Drive because that's where they're shared. I wouldn't want all of those things in the same place for me because I feel like the segmentation is useful for my brain to be like, this is the type of work we're doing right now. You know, this UI, you know what this UI means. It means we're in this mode. And that, that's what I like about it. Without a doubt, I, I completely agree. You should make a note for future shows, uh, a future topic to talk about the various modes in which I work. I think I've, I've finally discovered what my modes actually are. This is, a, this is a thing that's been on my mind. But So now I open the Notes app, right, which is the app that I use for that. And I create a new bullet point and I say, Gray's modes of working. I am with you on this for the apps as well, for the same reason that the UI helps reinforce what this thing is for. I used to condense things more. So I used to use ByWord for almost every single text file, as in my current scripts. I have just a lot of lists and things. I used to just keep it all in ByWord. And I had a fancy system where I used different prefixes on the file names to be able to quickly search for these are the scripts that I'm working on, or these are just lists. Uh, But 
over time, and especially as I transitioned more and more to iOS, I realized this is a little bit clunky. Like this works well on a computer, but it doesn't work as well on the iPhone. So that's why I have, as people see on my own iPhone screenshots, what look like three text editors right at the bottom, pages, byword, and editorial, and then plus notes in my doc. But they are all for different things, and without a doubt, it definitely helps. Yeah. Now, with the with the new notes, I might have to mix things up. Plus, also, since our last show, none of my Markdown text editors have yet updated for iOS 9 side-by-side, and I just feel like... You know, you were having that feeling with Mailbox about like, oh, they haven't updated in a long time. I've, I was looking at Byword and thinking the same thing. Like, it's been a long time since I've heard anything from you guys. Yeah, I'm not I'm not confident in Byword going yeah. forward. Yeah. Because their, their UI stuff, like, it's some parts of it still look like iOS 6. Like, the dark mode is atrocious. It makes me sad. I don't mind the dark mode, but let me just say, I, I was even looking through on the, the App Store to try to find some alternatives to these things and where's the one that i found i'll just i'll give a shout out in a way that i hope it slightly bribes the developer to, to make things exactly the way i want uh but i found an app which was called nv notes the letters nv yep which is a markdown note-taking app with a dark mode it, it's like oh this this looks right up my alley as a potential byword replacement and it has a nice icon which of course is very important as well but yeah so i am aware that there might be some reshuffling with my various notes apps coming why what are you hoping to nudge the developer to do oh there was a bug in his thing with using it with an external keyboard that i sent him a message uh, about but they're just come on nicholas (laughs) sort it out he's he's gonna sort out that bug it was it was a deal breaker but nicholas cgp gray (laughs) could be a user of your app do you know what this means nicholas do you know what this means? <laughs> yeah, this is what I would. This is what I would like to use my mighty platform to convince app developers to make their apps exactly the way that I want. <laughs> you could have a hand in creating these videos. But yeah, so I'm 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 on the I'm scanning the horizon for more note stuff. But I definitely, no matter what I do, I feel like there's always going to be four levels of segmentation. Yep. There are files that I work with with other people, which is the delightful pages. There's Random scraps of whatever I'll figure out later. Notes. There's lists and general text files, by word for the time being. And there are scripts, which is editorial. And, and I can't imagine ever collapsing those categories. So I'll probably always have four text editors of some kind. An unpronounceable string of characters on Reddit asked, uh, how do you reserve, this is so perfect for today, how do you reserve the time, effort, or energy for things that are in the short term quite unproductive, like searching the App Store and trying out multiple different systems? How do you balance that time spent against the output? I mean, this system, this this search has not been very good because you ended up exactly where you started. But <laughs> yeah. how do you reconcile, like, I'm going to spend an afternoon just trying out email apps? Almost always I actually do this kind of stuff in the afternoon because having learned from my own cycles, afternoons are just not very productive times for me normally. Mm-hmm. Um, I never do good script writing then. I never really do quality work then. And so I do not mind at all taking an afternoon and 
saying, oh, I'm going to explore a bunch of different apps or a bunch of different systems. Because if I find something that's good, I feel like it's a net win. But like de definitely say mm, 1 p.m. to like 4 p.m. is got to be the worst time ever for me doing work. It's just the lowest quality stuff ever. But that means there's a time always to do this sort of thing or to do any kind of low quality but still needs to get done work like email. I agree with you, actually, because the times in which I find myself wanting to do this stuff is the times where I don't want to do anything else. So, like, in theory, that work's never going to be good. Yeah, exactly. That time that I'm spending checking out email apps at 2.30 in the afternoon, there's no universe in which I would have spent that afternoon writing a brilliant script. The alternate universe is I would have spent this afternoon playing Factorio. Right? So I feel like, oh, I'm up, right? It's, it's better this way than it would have been the other way. All right. And this has been a question that has been circulating uh, via the many feedback methods for a long time. And I, I have also been interested in this, but haven't asked. Earlier in the show's run, when we were talking about the stuff that you carry and you put in your bag, you mentioned that you have caffeine pills in your bag. What, why? Do you have them? Like, what What? What purpose do the caffeine pills serve? Look at you, Mike. You're just trying to make the people happy. <laughs> I want to know, though. Because <laughs> you drink a lot of coffee. Okay, I, ha I have the caffeine pills for a couple of reasons. Okay. One of which is that there is not always acceptable coffee available. And so sometimes you need the caffeine, but there is just awful coffee available. Just ground them up, you. drop them in the coffee. Right. I wouldn't grind them up. <laughs> Why, what are you talking about? Uh, you take take the bad coffee, make it good coffee by putting caffeine pills in it. That's how it works. No, that's not how it works. Okay. How it works is you drink water and you take the caffeine pills. Oh, okay. You know, I must have misheard. <laughs> yeah, I think so. That, however, that, however, is the rare case. The reason I actually started using caffeine pills sometimes is for power naps. Do you know about power naps, Mike? I don't know about power naps. Okay, so... Well, not the reason you use them. I mean, I've heard of them before, but... So this thing works really effectively. I, I have this bit of... Um, I have a bit of this, like, love-hate relationship with naps. Now, I don't like naps because if I ever take a nap, I feel just like the laziest son of a bitch in the world. I'm ruined. If I, if I accidentally fall asleep because I never purposely take naps mm -hmm. and I wake up, I don't even, I don't know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. I look at the clock and it says 7 and it's clearly 7 p.m. I'm like, oh my God, it's 7 in the morning the next day. Like I <laughs> napping is the worst thing I can do for my productivity. Yeah. I, I have generally found that as well, that naps are just death. However, enough people that I respect made some suggestions about trying to change around your sleep schedule and incorporating a nap in the sleep schedule. I'm like, no, this is just disastrous. This doesn't work. But the trick is caffeine takes about 20 minutes to enter into your system and start having an effect, really. I mean, when you take that first sip of coffee, you feel like it works immediately, but that's just your brain lying to you. That's just part of the addiction, right? The actual, the actual drug isn't taking any effect until about 20 minutes later. And so I want there's, another coffee now. There's this trick that you can do with caffeine naps, which is you take a couple of caffeine pills or you drink a cup of coffee right before you take a nap. And you take a nap for about 20, 25 minutes. And when you wake up, 
it really eliminates a lot of that horrible, horrible sleep sickness that you can have. So sometimes if I feel like I need to take a nap, I will always do it in this manner where I will take a couple of caffeine pills. I will go to sleep. I have a, a, a napping app on my phone. What is it called? It is. I love that you have a napping app. Yeah. It's called Power Nap. It's by the same people who make that uh, sleep cycle app that I used to use. Hmm. But so Power Nap, it does a similar thing where you can set a maximum time of 30 minutes and it attempts to wake you up before it feels like you're drifting off into deep sleep. If it's like, oh, he hasn't moved at all lately. Uh, We got to catch him before he falls off the cliff. So that way I have found to be effective with naps. That's the primary use for the caffeine pills. But really, Mike. Napping leads into a whole other topic, which is all about schedules. Which we'll get to another time. Oh, man, this power napping thing, though, I think that might be nice. Because, Gray, my sleep, I sleep so poorly. Like, I tend to fall asleep, especially recently. Uh, I haven't completely... I've given in to jet lag in that it has now set a new sleep schedule for me, which is horrific. So, like, this happened to me a few months ago. So now it's just like, okay, my sleep schedule is I sleep from 2.30 in the morning and I wake up at 9, which is disgusting. Yeah. Um, And I feel like maybe I should, because I like doing that in in the way that I like, I like going to sleep late because I I get things done very late in the evening and I'm also quite productive in the morning again, even though you wouldn't think that considering how little sleep I have. But I feel like I am having adverse uh, effects to the lack of sleep that I'm having. Mm-hmm. So I need to balance that in some way. So maybe a nap is the way to do it. But there's something, I feel like there's a, like a a taboo around caffeine pills, which I can't shake. I'm sure it isn't, but it feels like a dangerous thing. I, yeah, I think it just it just feels like it's it's like drugs. But the the way I was introduced to this was not actually by caffeine pills. It was by drink a cup of coffee before you go take a nap. And my reaction was, I drink enough coffee as it is. I don't need to have a scheduled cup of coffee here. So I substituted caffeine pills for the cup of coffee for mm-hmm. the same effect. That, that's why I did that. Do you always sleep or do sometimes do you just rest? I am pretty sure that lots of the time I don't really full fall asleep, but my brain is kicked into some kind of low power defragmenting mode. It's like something is happening, but I'm not fully asleep, but I'm not fully unconscious either. Okay, well, maybe... Maybe people napped during this episode. Yeah, I might have napped during this episode. 